You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. It is week 15, and you're listening to Hawk Talk Preview Edition. The Seahawks go down to L.A. to take on the Rams, trying to win three in a row. Before we get into it, let's bring in Nasa Chobi with the injury updates. Thanks, Bump. Well, first and foremost, I want to update you on the injury we saw to Gavin Heslop. He sustained a nasty injury last week against the Houston Texans, breaking both his tibia and fibula, underwent successful surgery, and was flown back to Seattle today by Jody Allen on a private jet. So definitely wishing him a speedy and fast recovery. Also, amidst all the COVID outbreaks all over the league, the Seahawks had no positive tests this week thanks to the hard work behind the scenes from testing multiple times a week, which is beyond the league requirement, and a great job by the players and staff. On the field, head coach Pete Carroll gave some injury updates on Travis Homer, Adrian Peterson, and Brandon Chell. Travis Homer, does it still look like he's got a good chance to get back? Yeah, you look great this, uh, the first first look this morning. So um, you just got to stack the days up. But he was he was back in action running around. He was showing off a little bit. So that's a good sign. Any update on uh, Adrian Peterson? What his status might be? Uh, he was running around a little bit today. He's he looks like he's got a chance. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, we're in walkthrough. You know, we went through walkthrough and he took a few snaps. That's all I can tell you. Any thought, uh, Brandon Chell, um, where did he? He went through walkthrough today. I, I, we've got to wait and see. We won't know for a couple of days because um, we got to protect him because his, his shoulder has been really sore. So he's got the heart of a lion. He wants to go, you know, but we got to make sure that he's okay and he can stay out there because the last two games he wasn't able to finish. So that's we're more concerned about that maybe at this point. That might direct our thinking a little bit, but um, we'll see. All right, that's all I got for the injury updates for the Los Angeles Rams and the Seahawks. Now it's time to get into the Seahawks' Week 15 opponent, the Los Angeles Rams. What's on tap? What's on tap? These Rams are 9-4 on the season. They started off kind of an interesting way. They started 7-1, pretty impressive, with wins over the Bears, the Colts, the Bucks, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Lions, and the Texans with the only loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Then they kind of hit the skids a little bit with a three-game losing streak to the Tennessee Titans, who were without Derrick Henry. Then they got drubbed by the 49ers, 31-10. Then they lost a tough game on the road to the Packers, but since then they've kind of righted the ship blowing out the Jacksonville Jaguars 37-7. And then last Monday night, taking down the Arizona Cardinals. That was a hell of a game between two of the best teams in the NFC, definitely the NFC West. And, you know, the game, it felt like it was a close game back and forth. It was really entertaining watch, but it always felt like the Rams were in control. Aaron Donald, man, boy, we're going to talk about this man. Made his presence felt from the opening snap, just absolutely runs over the guard. Sacks Kyler Murray, really didn't even sack him. He just threw the guard into him, and Kyler Murray just fell down. I mean, Aaron Donald is an absolute savage. He ended the game with three sacks, three TFLs, and stop me if you've heard that storyline before. Aaron Donald is a menace. Mm -hmm. Um, The game was 13-13 at the half. The Rams took advantage of a big third quarter, though, with two touchdown passes from Matthew Stafford, taking a 27-13 lead into the fourth quarter. Cardinals got to within seven points with an amazing touchdown run by James Conner, running people over, blowing his way into the end zone. The Rams would respond with a 10-play, 60-yard field goal drive to extend their lead to 10. Cardinals would kick a field goal in their next drive, then recover a crazy onside kick, get the ball back down seven with 34 seconds left. And we've seen this last year. They had the Hail Mary against Buffalo. Anything can happen with Kyle Murray. Unfortunately, he had a big run for them on the first play. 
Their holding penalty was called. It came back. Then Aaron Donald finished the game just how he started it with a sack of Kyler Murray, wrapped up the game. Stafford had a decent day going 23 of 30 for 287 and three touchdowns. Cooper Cup, I mean, every single week, just lock it in. He's going to ball out. 13 receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. And that touchdown he caught was an amazing grab from uh, Stafford. Great throw. But his 13 receptions were one short of the Monday night football record held by Jerry Rice. So he's an impressive company. Odell Beckham Jr., productive day, six receptions, 77 yards, one tutty. Van Jefferson, 52-yard touchdown. Colin Murray had put up a lot of yards like he normally does, 444 total. Most he's ever had in a game but he did not have a passing touchdown or a rushing touchdown, turned the ball over. And that's the most total yards in a game without a touchdown since Matthew Stafford in 2012. The Rams uh, also beat the Cardinals without Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby, who sat out because of COVID protocols. And if you've been paying attention to anything in the NFL right now, the Rams are hurting with about 13 guys on the COVID list right now, including OBJ and some of their starting safeties. So it will be interesting there how they match up. But, Bob, let's get in this head-to-head, man. The Seahawks are obviously 5-8. and eight. The Rams are 9-4. and four. We've seen this matchup one time before. How do these guys match up on paper? All right, it's time to run it back between these two. You look at the offenses, you already know Sean McVay has this offense going. They're ranked 7th overall, 24th when it comes to rushing the ball, but th- number 3 when it comes to passing it and averaging 28 points per game. That puts them at 4th. The Seahawks offense, they're moving up slowly but surely. They're 28th ranked offense, 22nd with the run, 24th with the pass, 21st when it comes to points. Switch over to defense. This Rams defense is decent. A lot of stars on this defense. Um, They're ranked 15th overall, 7th against the rush, 20th against the pass, and 17th giving up 22 points per game. Look at the offense. Hawks still dead last when it comes to offense overall, excuse me, defense, overall defense. They're ranked 32nd, 22nd against the run, 32nd against the pass, but 5th. When it comes to points allowed, that's where they make their money. They don't allow people to light up the scoreboard. I hope they do that this weekend. Seven interceptions for the Seahawks and 14 for the Rams. When it comes to sacks, Rams are top five in the league getting after the quarterback. They have 36 sacks to the Hawks, 21. On paper, Rams look like the better team. Throughout the year, they've been the better team, but the Hawks have been playing some good football, and these guys have linked up a bunch of times. So Let's learn about their history. Know your history. You're exactly right, Michael Bumpus. The series record between the Seahawks and the Rams is 25-21, to 21, led by the Seahawks. However, Pete Carroll has struggled since Sean McVay has been in L.A. with a 3-7 and seven record since he arrived, 3-6 and six overall in the regular season. Last year, the Seahawks ended the season by beating the Rams to clinch the NFC West title. As you know, then the Rams will get the revenge in the first round of the playoffs. However, their last meeting was earlier in week five of this year. And the Seahawks came into the game 2-2. Two and two. Russell Wilson, everybody was healthy. And the Rams, we knew they had a great offense coming into that game. But the defense really stepped up. They had been struggling. The high-powered Rams offense went punt, punt, interception, punt, field goal, and a half. Seahawks lead 7-3 at halftime. We're feeling good. Finished the halftime show. Everything's going great. And then things went south. And they went south in a big way. The Rams' offense has exploded in that third quarter. They had an eight-play, 96-yard drive. Um, They converted a 68-yard pass on third and 10 to Deshaun Jackson. On the next drive, the Seahawks, uh, Russell Wilson missed Tyler Lockett down the sideline, which would have been a long touchdown, but things really changed for the Seahawks in the remainder of the year on that play because Russell Wilson injured his finger on Aaron Donald's helmet, which affected that throw. It broke that finger. And obviously, that was a huge storyline throughout the season because Russell Wilson would mix the next three games. 
after that moment, the Seahawks punted. The Rams came back again with a five-play 82-yard drive with a Higby touchdown. On that drive, the Rams had three consecutive explosive plays. We'll talk about that later on. That's when we entered in Geno Smith. Geno Smith had an incredible 10-play, 98-yard drive, backed up on his two-yard line, leads the Seahawks down to score. Everyone's feeling good. Hits DK on 23-yard touchdown. That made the score 16-14. But then the Rams came at us again. Six-play, 73-yard touchdown drive, ending with a Shoney Michelle run. The Seahawks would then answer with a field goal and force a punt by the Rams. But unfortunately, on the next possession, Geno Smith was intercepted on his first pass to Tyler Lockett. Might have been P.I., might not have been. Unfortunately, that effectively ended the ball game. But I'm hoping the Seahawks are going to play, or the Rams are going to face a much improved Seahawks defense who's banged up in other ways, but they're playing a lot better football. So it'll be an interesting matchup. Hopefully the Seahawks will get the better of them this time around. But now let's take a look around the division. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? Where's Where my soldiers at? Where's and the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West? On Hawk Talk. What's the word? The Arizona Cardinals took an L this weekend, but they still are at top of the division at 10 and 3, right behind them. The Los Angeles Rams are 9 and 4. San Francisco 49ers are 7 and 6. And the Hawks are fighting at 5 and 8. Last week, the 49ers took on the Bengals, and it was a great game, man. They held off to beat them 26 to 13 to 23 in overtime. The Niners jumped out to a 20 to 6 lead midway through the third quarter, but a lot of it was because of the the self-inflicting wounds the Bengals had on themselves. Darius Phillips fumbled twice on uh, punts, man. I feel for you, brother. I was a punt returner myself. Fumbled twice. That hurts. But the Bengals responded in the fourth quarter with Jamar Chase doing what he does, catching touchdowns from Burroughs. The 49ers, they responded, went on a 10-play, 50-yard drive, but Robbie Gold had a chance to win the game. And that win, it looked like it was good. Then all of a sudden, that win took it to the right. The Bengals are celebrating. You go on to overtime. The Bengals get the ball in overtime. They kick a field goal. That was not going to be good enough. The 49ers go on a 7-play, 75-yard drive, ending with a game-winning touchdown by Brandon Ayuk. If you saw this play, this was mm. a beautiful display of athleticism. Like, even in real time, he tiptoed down the sideline. He jumps. He sticks the ball out towards the pylon. I thought he was out. Yeah. Then you go to the replay, and his body control was ridiculous. He slides inside. Boom. Wins the game for him. Jimmy G doing what he does, 27-41, 296, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Mr. George Kittle in my household, we call him Jorge Kittle, mm. did his thing, 13 receptions, 151 yards, one touchdown. This dude, he's the best tight end in the game. I don't even think it's a question no more. Travis Kelsey, big love for you, but George Kittle doing his thing. The 49ers, this is where they did their thing. They sacked Joe Burrow five times, including two from Nick Bosa, bringing this total to 14 sacks this year. Niners just keep finding ways to get her done. Yeah, I was really hoping the Bengals would do the Seahawks a solid to muddle everything up in the wild card picture. But at this point, the Seahawks do have the tiebreaker over the 49ers, one of the few teams they do have that. So a lot of games left. We'll see what happens with those guys. But that brings me to the current playoff standings. So it's simple. You know, we've been talking about this for a long time, pretty much all season. We've been on record saying this. We think a 9-8 team is going to make the playoffs. That could still be the Seahawks. That would oh. require them to win out. And it, if they're going to have a shot at any of that, they got to take care of the Rams on Sunday. But just taking a look that the Washington football team is holding down the seventh wild card spot at six and seven. Then you got the Vikings six and seven who playing the Bears on Monday night. You got the Eagles six and seven playing Washington. You got the Falcons six and seven playing the 49ers. 
You got the Saints six and seven playing Tampa, the Panthers five and eight versus Buffalo, and then your Seahawks at five and eight as well. So the Seahawks are just down; they're out of the win, the loss column one game. Obviously, Washington football team at the moment has the tiebreaker because they beat Seattle, but it's 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 within grasp. It's it's there. They just got to win a game close on Sunday. But the crazy thing about the league is it's unprecedented the kind of parity we're seeing right now. The NFL playoff picture has 26 teams who are currently either in the playoffs or within a game of a playoff spot. There's also 24 teams with at least six wins, the most through week 14. And another crazy stat right here is after the Rams win, every team in the NFL has at least three losses through week 14 for the first time since 2014, and zero teams, zero, have clinched a playoff spot with four weeks left for the first time since 2017. So, bump. Everyone's got a chance. This is this is what makes the NFL one of the greatest games in the world is because of parity and because people got a shot. I was kind of against the uh, additional wild card until the Seahawks needed it, <laughs> so I'm all for the seventh all spot. All for it. But let's get back to these Rams take a look at these matchups. Man up. Hey, who man is this? Who man is this? Man up, man up, man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. Let's man up. Look at these matchups. You got to talk about Matthew Stafford. He was the guy brought over to the Rams to save the day, and he's been doing well so far this year. 315 for 468, 3,898 yards, 33 touchdowns to nine interceptions. He's only been sacked 20 times this season. You look at the Seahawks, their quarterbacks have been sacked 39 times. Now, he's bounced back well since the three-game losing streak where he had five interceptions and two of them returned for touchdowns. When they face the Hawks earlier this year, he had a pretty good day, 25 of 37, 365, one touchdown and one interception. This is wild. Last Monday was Matthew Stafford's first ever win against a team with A-plus victories at the time of the game. He's previously 0-20 in those games. Matthew Stafford also collected his first win against an opponent who entered at least five games above 500. He's 0-17 uh, entering Monday. It was the worst by any quarterback in the Super Bowl era. That is wild to me. This dude's won a lot of games. We know he's been in Detroit where uh, they haven't won playoff games. He hasn't had the win-loss percentages that you that his talent leads you to believe he would have, but that stat blows my mind. It pretty much says, look, if you win, I'm not going to beat you. But now he's in <laughs> L.A. He's got some talent, so he's getting it done now. That stat blew my mind, Ness. Well, the crazy thing about that is, yeah, so essentially if you had a winning record, the Lions were not going to beat you. Didn't mean the Lions could. Do doesn't mean the Lions couldn't get to nine wins or ish. But if you had a winning record, you're not gonna beat. But that's crazy. The fact that this year it feels like something like that happens every week, and the fact that Stafford had never done that until this point is nuts. But the Seahawks defense are gonna have their hands full of Stafford. They're dead last in yards, giving up 394 per game. But like you mentioned earlier, fifth best scoring defense in the NFL. So they're keeping guys out of the end zone, which is really important against this high powered. Rams offense. Now on the flip side, quarterback Russell Wilson against this Rams front seven. Wilson on the season, 191 for 287, 2,302 yards and 16 touchdowns to just four interceptions. 31 carries, 141 yards and one touchdown. He's only played 10 games this year. But the last two weeks bump, he's been playing well. 47 of 65, 491 yards, four touchdowns and one interception. As we know, that one was not his fault. In the last matchup against the Rams, he was 11 of 16 for 152 yards, one touchdown, and one interception before breaking his finger. Now, you talked about the Rams' defense earlier. They have unbelievable talent at every level of that defense. 
But they don't rank as high as you thought they would. They were number one in defense last year. They're 15th in yards allowed right now at 347. They're 20th against the pass, allowing 246 yards per game. And they're 17th in points per game, allowing 22. That being said, Bump, don't focus on them numbers. Because when you have Aaron Donald on your team, Leonard Floyd on your team, Greg Gaines on your team, all those dudes, it's not a problem. I mean, Aaron Donald has 61 tackles, 10 sacks, 12 TFLs, four passes defended, and two fumbles. And against the Seahawks, boy, 16 games against the Seahawks, including the playoffs, 63 tackles, 16 sacks, 43 hits, 24 TFLs as an interior defensive lineman. That's tough. That's tough. Aaron Donald, one of the best players that ever played the game. And then you team him up with Leonard Floyd, who just always plays well against the four, excuse me, against the Seahawks. 56 tackles, eight sacks, five tackles for loss, two passes defended to one interception this year. And Greg Gaines has been having a great year, too. 44 tackles, three and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. The Seahawks offensive line will have to step up. They need to ball out this year and help Russell Wilson do his thing. Another matchup. Rashad Penny versus the Rams front seven. He's coming off his best game of his career last week. It was beautiful. 16 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Those were all career highs. He has a bunch of confidence in himself, and Pete Carroll has confidence in him as well. They want him to be the starter. That's why they drafted him, to be the starter. This is going to be his opportunity. The last two weeks, the best thing he's done is just stay healthy. Usually when this guy runs the football, he goes down. We're holding our breath. We're like, come on, Rashad. Get up. You got this. But he's done a great job. Now, it won't be easy against his round front seven. They rank seventh in the NFL against the run and allowing 100 yards per game. For the Seahawks to have any chance Sunday, they will need to be able to run the football doesn't have to be huge numbers, but you got to make this defense respect the run and re- respect Rashad Penny. Yeah, man, I'm hoping Rashad can string three or four games together right here because they're definitely going to need it. You don't need the 50-yarder bump, but you're going to need to keep drives alive and keep that time of possession. Now, another matchup. This is just really fun for me and any fan. It's DK Metcalf and Jalen Ramsey. Assuming Jalen Ramsey is back from the COVID list, on the season right now, DK is 56 receptions, 753 yards, eight touchdowns. But Bump, he's been pretty quiet the last five games. He's only got 17 receptions for 173 yards and zero touchdowns, which is unusual for a guy like Metcalf. So hoping the Seahawks can get him more involved. And you look at the last couple of matchups against Ramsey, I'm going to focus on the last two because I think the, last, the first three, you know, I think the Rams did a really good job defending him. But the last two, definitely the edge goes to DK Metcalf. Five receptions for 96 yards, two touchdowns in the playoff loss. And this earlier this year, he had five receptions for 98 yards and two touchdowns on five targets. Now, Jalen Ramsey, he's the leading interceptor for the Rams. Three interceptions, 11 passes defended, 59 tackles. The last two matchups against DK Metcalf, three tackles, one pass defended. The very last matchup, four tackles, one pass defended. And one of those touchdowns was one-on-one on DK Metcalf. We know these guys aren't going to line up on every single play. Um, but it is fun every time you get that. You know, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight times a game where it's one-on-one, these two guys in a pass concept. Get your popcorn ready because it's going to be fun. But we all know, Bob, it's coming down to that whole unit, man. DK, Tyler, Gerald, and if DeAstris can get involved because it's a good secondary. But I think if Russell has some time, if he's not completely under duress and can sack five or ten times, I think this is where the Seahawks can really take advantage. There's two things I want from this game. I want a camera that follows DK and Jalen when they're matched up. 
and I need them both mic'd up. I just want <laughs> I just I want to see and hear what that interaction is like, man. Because that's some of the best parts of football is just what's being said, even if you're not even talking trash, right? It's just the interaction yep. between two great players. I think that'd be awesome. But you're right; it's gonna take the whole village to get it done against the Rams. Now, when you look at the Rams, they got Cooper Cub, leading receiver in the league. Van Jefferson, who is a great number two or number three option, and that we all know about OBJ. Cooper Cup is having one of the best seasons in the NFL with four games remaining. This guy has 113 receptions, 1,489 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Robert Woods got banged up, tore his knee. Who steps up? Van Jefferson, 41 receptions, 679 yards, and six touchdowns. Now, they made a trade for OBJ. Talk about L.A., star-studded. It's only right. Odell goes to L.A., Four games, he has 15 receptions, 203 yards, three touchdowns, but he's had one touchdown in the past three games. Without question, this is the best receiving quarter the Seahawks will face the rest of the season. And that even includes the Cardinals with all the weapons that they have. I think there's just a lot of experience in the offense itself just goes. And you add these guys in it, it's going to be awesome. Now, what killed the Seahawks in the first match was explosive plays. All right, they had plays. Uh, passes 10, 10 passes that went over 15 yards. You got a 16 yard game, 17, 17, 25, 68, 20, 20, 23, 24. I mean, but that's the story of the Hawks this year is right. It's giving up explosive plays. I expect the Rams to have explosive plays, Yeah, but um, we can't have them on third and long. Like last, like last time they matched up with, with Deshaun Jackson, you have to contain these guys, but there, um, there's some concepts that these guys have been uh, working on. And as you drew a diagram and hit us up and put your coaching hat on and say, look, if they can stop this concept, they got a chance. Tell me about this. Yeah, I'll try to do my best to describe it. Obviously, you're listening to a podcast, but essentially the Rams really killed the Seahawks. And it's really the same concept, but they run it out of a ton of formations. So we'll just take one, for example. You got trips to the field. So you got three receivers to the field. They're kind of in a bunch formation away from the, all the rest of the linemen. You have one receiver on the opposite side, one back in the backfield. Now, number one is the farthest outside in the bunch, but he's off the line of scrimmage. Number two is on the line of scrimmage. And then number three is inside. So what keeps happening for the Seahawks or against the Rams is what they're doing is they're taking number two, who's at the top of the trips formation, and running him on an over route, just a deep over route across the middle of the field because in the first matchup, the Seahawks linebackers were turning and running with that. Obviously, the Seahawks played multiple coverages, but when they did that, they brought number one, who just ran about a 15-yard dig, and he was open every single time because the corners or the dbs were playing in a deep third and that dig route was open multiple times it went back to it several times they ran it on back-to-back plays now bump this is tough this makes it really hard on a secondary to, on multiple coverages because they are keying on guys and they're going to throw to who is open and that's what makes the Rams so tough is because the play i just talked about they will do it out of a ton of different formations they'll do it out of trips they'll do it out of tray they'll do it out of slot open they'll do it out of empty and they are really testing your defense and your keys because they're going to read this guy and like if he moves here we're throwing the ball there so i i think if they can try to take away this trips concept bump the, the seahawks have a great chance of eliminating some of these big plays robert woods was a guy who was running those routes right cooper cup yeah. would run him off robert woods would come behind and make a play now obj if he's not there van jefferson's really kind of their other deep threat right you'd say the speed home run hitter so it'll be interesting so long story short i think in simple terms the seahawks just need to be sound defensively I'm sure they're obviously in the film room they know the Rams concepts they've played them so many different times but what makes the Rams offense really explosive and, and 
and just tough to defend for me is that they do all of this stuff out of different formations. It's like a lot of the same concepts, but it looks different every time. So it's just it's a really about eye discipline and, and taking care of that middle of the field bump because that's where the Rams want to pick you apart. Bobby, come on, Bobby. We need you, baby. Tip a couple of those footballs and give our guys a chance. We know if Bobby can get his hands on it or just influence that throw, Quandre's going to be lurking around there, and we can grab a couple interceptions. All right, let's figure out how they're going to win this game, path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. First thing they have to do, eliminate explosive plays. They gave up way too many explosive plays against the Rams in their first matchup. Robert Woods, I just keep seeing Robert Woods, Robert Woods, Deshaun on third and long. You just can't have those. You're never going to eliminate all the explosive plays against the Rams. That would be nice, but they have too many weapons. Just can't have too many of those. Yeah, but can't have 10 again. That's just absolutely too much. And take care of the middle of the field. And that's not always going to be Bobby or Jordan. That's sometimes the safeties. That might be Ryan Neal. That might be Quandre. Whatever it is, you just got to take care of the middle of the field because that's where the Rams can really hurt you. And Cooper Cup, we've said this a million times. We've probably given Cooper Cup and George Kittle more love than any other players outside of the Seahawks this entire season because they do it every single week. And Cooper Cup with the Eastern connection there. But, man, he just can't go off. He's going to get his numbers. But, like, for me, I'm okay if he's, like, seven or eight for, like, 80 or 73, maybe one touchdown. That's okay. He's going to get those. There's nothing you can do about that. But I, I don't want to see 14 for 150 and two touchdowns. So do what you can to keep him from having a massive day. Easier said than done. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a few unnecessary roughness against Cooper <laughs> Cup. You know, just rough him up a little bit. Nothing dirty, but let him know he's in a football game. Now, this offensive line has to have their best game of the season. This front for the Rams is no joke. You got Aaron Donald. You got Leonard Floyd. These guys have their best games against the Seahawks over the past years. You have to protect Russell Wilson, and then you have to run the football. Rashad Penny needs another solid performance. This is big for Rashad, man. He's playing for his NFL career right now. No matter what happens, he's going to get another chance, but now he's playing for money. He might not be thinking that, but that's the reality. And if he plays well, this team is going to play well. No question about it. Love to see Rashad get after it again because you're right. What you put on film the last four weeks, whether Seahawks go to playoffs or not, will be a huge influence on whether he's here or if he's on another team next year. And then DK and Tyler, man. We say this every week, but then you get the ball in their hands. I really want to see DK more involved. He's too good to not have to have the kind of production he's had the last five weeks. Tyler has been absolutely balling out the last couple weeks, so we know what can happen there. Keep hitting those deep crosses. Find a way to get DK involved in the offense. But in order to find Tyler on any of those deep crosses, you got to protect. So the offensive line, once again, coming back to them, they're going to need to play their best game of the year. You need to score points and possess the football. Now, they didn't win the time of possession last week against the Texans, but it was close, closer than it's been over the past weeks. And then... Keep your hopes alive, man. You're you're not out of this yet. You're not out of this. Nass went over the playoff scenarios. You keep winning. Somebody takes an L. You have a chance to get her done. This is going to be a big week down in L.A. Nass, where can the people hear us? Everywhere, Michael Bumpus. You can hear us on Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Other podcasts on the Seahawks Podcast Network. You got the Insiders with Jen Mueller and John Boyle. The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Stacey Ross, and Jay Keeps. Hawks Live with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Seahawks Stories with Robert Turbin and Seahawks Rewind. Incident analysis right after every single game from the Seahawks Radio Network. Catch player interviews, reaction from Bump, Moyer, Roberts, and Turbin. 
Bump, this is the biggest game of the year. I'm feeling it three in a row. Speaking into existence, get back to owning teams in the NFC West. And if the Seahawks win this game, man, it's going to be really interesting. I feel good about it. Yes, sir. Hawks are going down to Cali, Los Angeles, to be exact. Actually, Inglewood, to be exact. Right around the corner for where I grew up. Inglewood. Hey, Hog Talk has been real. Thanks for joining us. I'm Michael Bump. He is NASA Chobie. Let's talk to you again next week after a win.